0: Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fin's up. Here's Stephen, your host. What's up, guys? Today's date is August 13th. I'm Stephen Masso. As always, you're listening to Via the the source. Now, I'm, I'm as you can tell, I'm pretty hyped up. We have a ton of Dolphins content. A, the offseason had kind of been getting a little bit stale with the coronavirus. Things felt kind of off. But all of a sudden, we have just a ton of Dolphins content in this episode. I am very hyped to talk about it. Uh, it's things ranging from a tribute the Dolphins are doing to Don Shula to the press conference that just happened a few minutes ago with uh, Tua Tungavailoa, Devon Godshaw, Byron Jones. I'm going to have uh, some little snippets from that included in this episode. Very excited about that. And we have some news about a former player for the team that I'm, you know, pretty interested to talk about. So all of that in this episode, we will begin with the Dolphins' Uh, announcing that they will be adding a patch to the jerseys this season. It says Shula on it. It says 347 in honor of being the most winningest coach of all time. Of course, this is a very important tribute to uh, the passing of Don Shula. Just an iconic coach really is the GOAT when it comes to coaching. And uh, I think this was something that a lot of fans expected. They didn't know how exactly they were going to pay tribute, whether it was going to be something in regards to the stadium, whether it was going to be a sticker on on the helmet or a decal, or if it would be a patch on the jersey. So they announced today they will be adding the patch to the jersey. There's already pictures of it, and there have been a ton of great ideas, I think, to kind of add onto it. Tom over there uh, uh, at Dolphins Talk, you can follow him at Dolphins Talk. Tom had a good idea that I think uh, most people agree that they need to have some sort of permanent tribute to Don Shula incorporated into it because as of right now the announcement was that this was for the 2020 season it would be nice if there was some sort of permanent recognition there whether it is on the jersey whether it is with the stadium but there needs to be something there and I said this in the tribute episode that the Dolphins recently have been struggling for a long time for decades now the majority of my lifetime have been pretty rough from a performance standpoint but with a lot of fans Uh, You know, I think of my dad, I think of a lot of the older fans who are still extremely loyal about the, you know, some of the most loyal fans you can ask for in sports that are still very optimistic, and they have this standard that they are holding the team to, and that is all because of Don Shula. He instilled this mentality of success and greatness, and I think all Dolphin fans right now can point to something, the reason why they are a fan, and in some way, shape, or form, that is attributed to what Don Shula did So there needs to be, I think, some sort of permanent recognition added to, you know, whether it's the helmet, the uniform. Uh, something there to pay tribute to Don Shula because that's how important to the franchise he was. And I'm not saying that as a knock that I think the Dolphins didn't do enough. I think this is, uh, you know, an awesome addition. It's a major W for the team. It's it's very important, and I'm glad uh, they finally announced that they were doing this. Um, but I'm just giving my thoughts. It would be cool to see something more permanent. Uh, now, we move on to the press conference. Uh, it was held on Zoom. I was able to listen in on it. It featured court- Quarterback Tua Iloa also featured Byron Jones and Devon Godshaw all throughout this. And I will be including snippets throughout, but first things first, I already wrote an article. You can check it out at via the source.com or on my Twitter where I shared it. That guys, Tua is at least from a personal standpoint, from a character standpoint, uh, you know, from a leadership side. The guy is the real deal. He is, and I wrote in the article and I titled it, he is everything Miami dreamed of so far. Of course, we don't know from the physical side. We haven't really seen him aside from a few 10-second clips recently of him throwing the ball around without pads on. We haven't really seen him from a physical side after that injury, the devastating hip injury, but... His charisma is off the charts. Listening to him speak, he is vibrant. His smile is energetic. It's contagious, his mentality, his positivity. You can totally understand why when you speak to, you know, a former teammate, whether it was at Alabama or even somebody who didn't play with him or, you know, the guys on the Dolphins team right now, the first thing they talk about is him as a person, his character, uh, Trent Dilfer raved about his character and how he was just going to be this, you know, amazing, iconic person, and you can understand why just when he speaks, he is uh just a nice guy it is impossible to root against him if you're rooting for his downfall you're just an evil person the kid is just a happy guy and he is just trying to spread positivity and you can definitely tell that when you speak to him so first things first i'll let you listen in on how he entered the zoom conference this is how he entered it just get a feel for him right now
1: what up y'all like my jersey
0: so I know you guys don't have a visual, but he entered with a mask on. He was uh, doing a little pose. He had the Ryan Fitzpatrick jersey on. The guy was as hype as ever. And he talked about Fitzpatrick and how important Fitzpatrick has been to him growing so far in his rookie year. And here's what he had to say about Ryan Fitzpatrick.
1: And to be behind like a professional like that, to me, it's it's kind of mind-boggling how down-to-earth he is. It's It's one of those things where it's, this, this guy gets it. I don't know what it is, but, but he gets it. Um, and, uh, that saying goes true. It it says, you know, if, if you want to get somewhere fast, you go alone, but if you want to do it with purpose, you bring people with you. And I think Fitz, Fitz has done a tremendous job in trying to help shape and mold me, you know, and Josh as well.
0: Now, he was asked about his injury and how he is kind of expecting things to feel when he first gets hit. He said that he is still a little bit unsure about that, that it's something that you won't really know until it actually happens. He says, as of right now, he feels pretty good. There's nothing to suggest that anything would be bad, but he says that even him, he doesn't know how things are gonna feel until he initially gets hit. But aside from the injury, there is the possibility still of the season being canceled. uh, you know Major League Baseball has had their fair share of issues the NBA was able to kind of uh, limit those issues by incorporating a bubble where they have the guys basically under lockdown no one gets in nobody gets out and they're able to contain the virus in that way now the NFL has no plans to incorporate a bubble so there is still talks that maybe the season will be canceled I'm not sure how true it is but they asked Tua how he feels about the possibility of this season being canceled and here. Here is what he had to say about that.
1: Um, but to say if if we didn't have a season, I mean, I, I don't think it, it would just be me that would be bummed. I think our whole team would be bummed, and other teams as well. This is something a lot of people work for, and I mean, it, it's it's our job for sure. But you know, it's 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 also been a dream for a lot of us to to get an opportunity like this, and for a lot of the um, undrafted guys to get an opportunity. You know, that's going to mean something to them as well.
0: Now, another little interesting note here is that he was talking about his culture, the Samoan culture, and how important respect is. And I, I thought it was very interesting to hear about it because you can tell it's something that is very important to him. There is a documentary coming out on Fox Sports in September on Tua, and it talks a lot. It dives deep into uh, his family and how intertwined his culture is with football. And here is what he had to say about about
1: that I think football definitely intertwines with the Samoan culture that I I come from with my background because in our culture respect is the biggest thing and in football respect is almost demanded you know from the head coach from your OC um so it um and you learn how to take advice when you get chewed out you learn how to eat it is what I'm trying to say and
0: now, when it comes to Tua and whether he expects to be playing this season, he said that he knows the coaches are going to go out there and they're going to put whoever the best player is. And he says he is trusting that. He believes in Coach flow. So it's interesting. Again, if you ask me if I had to bet on whether he is uh the starter at the beginning of the season with no preseason, with the season only a month away, him having to learn a new offense, the injury No, I don't I don't think that's realistic. At some point this season, uh maybe. I think there's a good chance that he comes in near the second half of the season. But Again, I would not be opposed, even now, just with how kind of wacky the season is and how unpredictable things uh, appear to be going. I wouldn't mind them electing to bench him for the duration of the 2020 season and just kind of uh, take it as a clipboard year, sit behind Fitzpatrick, learn some things. I would have no problem with them electing to go that route. So, after Tua spoke, then we had an opportunity to listen in on Byron Jones, one of the Dolphins' newest acquisitions at the defensive back. He had a chance to speak with the media. First impression I got from him is the guy is very intense. He's also very intelligent. You could tell his uh, word choice is very impressive. Definitely, you know, above average. Very... Intense, Like, it seems like he had just taken a few scoops of pre-workout. That was kind of the feeling I was getting from him. He was very quick and on his feet with how he was talking. Now, a few of the things they were asking him about is what were you expecting from a defensive standpoint? What kind of scheme? And he says to expect a lot more man. He thinks they have the secondary for it. They asked him if he thinks that him and Xavier Howard will be uh, the best secondary duo in the entire NFL. And he said that they're certainly working towards it. He said that one thing that he, in particular, particular, particular is working a lot at is his ability as a ball hawk. He even mentioned that Xavier Howard, as of right now, he thinks is a lot better at that skill set than him right now they asked him how he expects to improve and he said it is just like any other skill you have to work towards it every single day and that that is what he is doing right now now here's a little snippet from what he said he was describing the current state of the team and i thought it was very interesting how he described it here he is
1: this is a young roster there's no going around that um but that's exciting Um,
0: these guys are hungry
1: they're hungry to build a name for their, their selves they're hungry to, to build a special team here and, and you see it every day and uh, coach Flo has been great with his communication def- definitely during these times where you know things are very different meetings are different uh, the way we practice is very different um, his intensity when he speaks to us, it's apparent, you know, right away.
0: Now, after Byron Jones, we had an opportunity to speak with Devon Godshaw, and it was, a lot of the focus was on uh, the COVID test. He was on the COVID-19 slash reserve list for a bit, and then he was uh, promptly removed from it. And they asked him about it, and he said that right when he was placed on this list, that he knew it was a false positive, And he said he knew that because they told him all the way back in June, that he already had the antibodies for it. So he said that's a common occurrence that guys being placed on the list with false positives, and then after a few days they are being promptly removed when they are able to determine that it is again a false positive. So that wraps up how uh, the Zoom press conference was. Again, the little summary of it. Tua, just an incredible speaker, a guy a very high character, very easy to see why people gravitate towards him so much, and how his uh, you know his attitude and mentality are just so contagious. Byron Jones, just a very intense speaker, and the same thing could be. Said about Devon Godshaw. Uh, He is really taking on a leadership role, and I'm very excited to see what they do on the defensive side of the ball. Now, the last topic I want to go over here is a little bit about former Dolphins safety and now uh, safety for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Minka Fitzpatrick, who had an incredible season last year. There was an article done on Bleacher Report by Tyler Dunn, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, and he really went in depth and had an opportunity to really show Minka Fitzpatrick's side of the story. Now, I will say before we even dive into this, I know a lot of people uh, you know, are very passionate about their feelings towards Minka Fitzpatrick. They've been calling him a lot of uh, things like crybaby, a lot of personal attacks on him. I kind of want to dive in a little bit just why I won't personally do that. I'll still give you my thoughts on it, but uh, when it comes to Minka in particular, if you guys know, I was able to go to a few of the games where I was able to interview some of the players in the locker room. Now, mind you, again, at the time, I'm what, a 23-year-old aspiring journalist, journalist slash broadcaster. I don't have a lot of the networking. I don't have relationship with these players that a lot of the beat writers who have been there for years already have. So when I'm there, you know, I'm still trying to uh, gain respect and still trying to get interviews with some of these players who, you know, sometimes these guys only want to talk to the beat writer they're comfortable with or somebody that they already have, a you know, a relationship with and they're comfortable or maybe a bigger name at a bigger media outlet. So I'm going in there and Minka Fitzpatrick was one of these players that at the time was extremely respectful to me. Uh, he gave me as much time as I needed for these one-on-one interviews, and overall, he was just extremely respectful, and at the time, he was a rookie. I believe he was even younger than me, so just him doing a gesture like that, I'm not gonna go back and turn on him after what he did, because on a personal level, it meant a lot to have somebody show that kind of respect when I was at you know that point in my career, and it wasn't just him. Other guys I can name in particular. Bobby McCain, outstanding person. Another guy who gave me just as much time as I needed for a one-on-one interview. Same thing could be said about Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, uh, uh, Kiko Alonso as well, all these guys, but Minka Fitzpatrick was one of those guys that at this time uh, was just an extremely respectful guy. So I'm not going to go back and turn on him and launch some sort of personal attack because of what he uh, did about the team. But in this article, to dive into it, he kind of goes over what happened and how the downfall with the Miami Dolphins kind of transpired. The first quote here is, he says, even though they have me in the wrong spot and other players know they have me in the wrong spot, even though I disagree with the coaches on that, I'm still going to follow their lead. That was his initial thought. They had him at the time in that Patrick Chung kind of role in the scheme where he was being used a lot more in the box, kind of as a safety, a guy who was involved at the line of scrimmage more, where, you know, as many know, he kind of was more comfortable with being the free safety or somebody who was even lined up at cornerback and on these receivers, he wasn't really comfortable being somebody who was at times a linebacker, kind of the Derwin James, role that it seemed like the Dolphins wanted to use them as. So at practice, they were kind of uh, preparing them for this new role. They had him pulling guards and tackles. He said it was messing up my skill set. I was working in these hand fighting drills against tight ends and working on hitting the bags and stuff like that. And eventually it got to a point where he full-on left those drills, jogged across the field to the one-on-ones, and he said that he wasn't going to quote sit there all day and punch a bag. So of course, that's already disappointing to hear that's already kind of beginning to show how things are going to eventually unravel. But then he said it got to the point where if you remember the game against the Baltimore Ravens, he said that he didn't even know the guys' names who he was working with out there on the field, that he was looking at the guys around him in the secondary. He didn't know who some of these guys were. He didn't even know what to call them or how to address them. They end up going out there and just getting completely destroyed in that game. And he said that that was basically the breaking point for him, and he ended up requesting a trade. So again, I'm not going to launch a complete personal attack that I know many Dolphins fans would... uh, love for me to do, but I will say that it's completely disappointing. And I think at that point, it was a very unprofessional thing for him to do. He definitely let his emotions at the time uh, get the best out of him. And I don't think it was purely just a product of him playing what he thought was out of position. I think if the team was doing well and he was in that position, that he would have felt a lot differently. But if you look at how the Dolphins were going about, uh, if you look at what was happening on the offensive side of the ball, where people were saying that uh, they couldn't understand the Chad O'Shea offense there was nothing going on the offensive side and then you look at the defensive side of the ball as well you have a bunch of guys who were viewed as not starter worthy and it led to many of the national media saying that the Dolphins were tanking and yet other star players getting traded I think all of that just kind of snowballed in uh, to Minka Fitzpatrick kind of making an impulsive decision and not seeing the long-term plan that the Dolphins had and not seeing the bigger picture it was a really nearsighted decision that he went out there and made and pretty sure it was based a lot on emotions on just, and just getting beat that bad. I'm sure Minka Fitzpatrick, you know, he was with Alabama before. I'm sure in high school before that, he was not really accustomed to losing in the manner that the Dolphins did. And I'm sure that also played a part in his decision. Now, in hindsight, I'm certain that he is going to look at this and say that it was completely the right decision to make. If you look at what he did last season, he was a pro bowler, first team all pro, just an absolutely outstanding season for him uh, to the point where a lot of Dolphins fans are viewing this and saying, hey, maybe we made the wrong decision here by letting him go. He said that he wants to be the next Ed Reed. He wants to be the next Troy Polamalu. So as of right now, maybe it's still too early to evaluate this trade and say who won and who lost the trade but as of right now Minka Fitzpatrick first team all pro in his second year that is going to be you know it's going to be hard to really swallow that if it ends up hurting them they ended up getting Austin Jackson with it they need help at the offensive line he has the potential to turn into something over there at the tackle position Tua definitely needs all the help he can get in the future so it's something that could be beneficial long term for Tua and his development and I don't want to downplay the importance of it but I can understand the argument and the frustration with Dolphins fans saying that, hey, maybe we shouldn't have granted his wish just to be traded, and maybe we shouldn't have listened to him so quick. Again, this was a guy who was in his second year. He could have been making this uh, uh, request for a trade out of uh, impulse or out of emotion, but Whatever the Dolphins must have felt too disrespected by what he was doing in practice and how he confronted Brian Flores in the request for a trade, maybe it was just too much. So, guys, let me know what you think. That is how I'm going to wrap up this episode. As always, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Via the Source or my personal account, that is at Shady Steven. If you could leave a review on the Apple Podcast app, that would be a tremendous help, and I am very grateful for when you guys do that. If you have any questions or topics that you would like for me to discuss in the future episodes, feel free to reach out to me and send them on Twitter. That is again at via the source, and I will discuss them in future episodes. But until next time,
1: guys, I'm Steven Masso, and this was via the source.